did finish watching The Boys last weekend. Oh, I finished it too, so we can do an episode on it. Yeah, we could. I didn't take notes while I was watching it, but it wouldn't take too bad. Would be you know too bad of a rewatch. No, it, it could stand a rewatch. Oh, so you actually kind of enjoyed it, or it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more cynical than it ended up being. Yeah, but in the end, you know, it sort of. I was surprised the amount that they humanized some of the heroes that you were supposed, like I was assuming, would just be full on shitty. Yeah, I really like the fact that like. They tried to humanize the deep, but they still took the pitch yeah. out of him in every single scene. It yeah. was He's just... like trying to do right and then fucking sends a dolphin through his fucking windshield. God, that, that was like the one moment I was like, oh God, that's a lot. Yeah. And the, the constant everybody hurts on in the background when he's on screen <laughs> was just, that was yeah. such a good touch. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> there were some choices in that show that were really good. That Yeah. 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 Anyway, but that's not what we're talking about this week. Are you ready, Mark? Is yeah, everything good to go? All <laughs> right. So, good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever, everyone. It is episode 160 of Dance Robot Dance, show where where we talk about all things nerdy, geeky, dorky, whatever the fuck. So, hi, everyone. Today we're going to be focusing again on a Disney theme park. So get excited because it's going to be pretty cool. I'm really, really excited to hear about it because I really want to go there. <laughs> I'm joined by the usual Motley crew. Uh, say good morning or good evening, Tim. May the force be with you. And say hi, Mark. What's going on, everyone? So it's, it was a pretty, not heavy news week, but there were some interesting things going down. The big thing, I think, is that there are news reports swirling around about a new Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series starring Ewan McGregor, which, yeah. <laughs> Not pumped about that? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I'm super pumped about it. One of the few good things to come out of the prequel trilogy was that casting, even if he yeah. was often misused, as everyone was in that train wreck of how many hours of those movies was there? Like eight hours? Six. It's like it's six. Not, it's not. It's not that long. It's like yeah, six. they were each like two-ish hours. We weren't into like that. Here, every Star Wars movie is like two and a half plus now. Oh, those are mostly kind of pre Lord of the Rings. Like they right. they started pre Lord of the Rings, so we hadn't really breached that. Everything has to be almost three hours. Yeah. So they just <laughs> to be stuck in now. Yeah. So they just felt like three hours. Okay, yeah, yeah. I understand. Thank you. All right. So, yeah. but yeah, um, I'm super excited about this because I think that he deserves to have a chance to be the Obi Wan Kenobi we had hoped he was going to be in the prequel trilogy. So yeah, how are you guys feeling about it? Um, I think I, I've said this before, and I'm not sure if I'm repeating it on the podcast or not, but. This is basically the only Star Wars project that I was extremely excited for, like, hopefully happening. And so if this is going to be a TV show and he's actually committing to a series, I am 100% on board. Plus, it means I'm not buying an extra service because it's just my Marvel service I'm going to get this on. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is one, too, that's been talked about for fucking years at this point. Uh, and rumored and rumored and rumored and and yeah i'm i'm all about this this would be great i mean obviously it's gonna have to be kind of older obi-wan so presumably like i don't know like could be him like on tatooine you know just 
fucking surviving or something like that, which I'd be totally cool with. Just yeah. Him fucking up sand people for like, you know, two seasons or yeah. some shit like that. Like I'm, I'm fucking down even if it's just that. So yeah. Well, there's yeah. all those gangsters and shit on Tatooine too, right? Like, yeah. CD underbelly. And yeah, he's got a lot of stuff to get involved with out there. So I could do like two years of like Obi-Wan in like Tatooine esque wire stuff. Yeah. Or whatever with four flowers. Yeah. Like yeah, let's have some crime drama and with a lightsaber. Yeah, and he's like a hermit as well. So yeah. like if if he if he did just fuck off off planet for a while, like nobody would notice that he was gone. Yeah. So like, you know, he, he just fucking lives out on his own. So he could still go have some like covert space adventures kind of thing or like undercover shit kind of thing. Yeah, he goes goes and chats with Yoda for a little while or something, you know, all the yeah, good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I I'm so down. Yeah, it goes and like checks in on Luke and Leia or something like that, that kind of thing. Well, that's not that far for Luke, right? He's like up the street. For yeah. some reason. Yeah. I guess. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Good news all around there. Although, on related news, Disney is reportedly kind of worried about future Taika Waititi project uh, called oh, Jojo shit. Rabbit, which is uh, <laughs> an anti-Nazi satire. I mean, like, it's definitely, like, a anti-Nazi film, but it is going to be very satirical in the vein of, like, the producers in a Mel Brooks vibe. like... Yeah. yeah, so my thing is like the Disney getting shy about being anti-Nazi considering they were a propaganda machine back in the 1940s and them yeah. having so much control over so many properties and picking and choosing certain movies to get shit-canned because of political issues like this makes me a little bit worried. Like, they're making really good choices for their existing franchises, uh, obviously, with the Obi-Wan thing happening. But then we've got news like this, which makes me just a teensy bit worried about mega Disney and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah. I mean, the thing to point out is that this is an inherited property. Like, this is something they got that Fox made. Yeah. Or Fox yeah. like Greenlit or whatever. So I think that this might just be we're gonna get a little bit of this weirdness with that transition mm -hmm. with all this Fox stuff coming under Disney. But I think once they sort of get through that and they can sort of consolidate the brand. I mean, there's other places that if this had come to Disney later and like Tycho said, Hey, make this movie for me, and Disney said, No, that's not a Disney movie, Tycho would have been able to find somewhere else to make this movie. Mm -hmm. I think there's still plenty of outlets for this kind of thing, but yeah, this is just going to be one of these weird transitionary weirdnesses. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are, what are they going to do with that New Mutants movie? Like, that'll get dumped on streaming. At yeah, they are not happy with it apparently. So it's just like whatever. Yeah. But as this trucks along, we'll see what other things get shit canned and axed. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> that trailer was. Yeah. Cool. You see the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Next thing. Oh, in cancellation news, Sci-Fi has canceled <laughs> Krypton and Lobo. Uh, Rightfully so. Right. <laughs> Did Lobo even get like an episode? In no, it? no. They announced okay, they announced say. a pilot for it, but uh, yeah. they yeah. But basically, they. I think that was just one of those things. Like, hey, we'll float this and see how much interest there is, and then season two of Krypton bombed, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, were you watching Krypton? I watched the first season, uh, and I've been acquiring the second season, but I have not watched it yet. Pretty low on my list of priority of stuff to get caught up on, to be honest, because I, I wasn't even, like, really paying real close attention to the first season. It had potential. There was, like, little glimpses of stuff that I was like, oh, if they go down that way, that could be pretty cool. And then they fucking went 180 degrees the other way. So, yeah. Eh. Yeah. 
I still have no interest in watching that show. Like, I, 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 I'm like, amazed I the fucking thing got made to begin with, yeah, to be honest. to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Well, that's, I mean, Pennyworth just premiered too, right? I've seen several reviews for that, and I was like, why the fuck are we going down this road? Like, what? Why? Like, who cares? Like, I don't know how many people were... I know a lot of people were watching Gotham, or there was at least a fan base for Gotham. Yeah, yeah. Very... Well, it had all those... It had all the, like, the classic villains, or at least interesting takes on some of those uh, classic yeah. uh, villains, even if it didn't have actual Batman. This has yeah. fucking Alfred, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know I don't know what we're supposed to be doing here, yeah. but, I mean, milk that franchise for, for all it's worth. Yeah, in other DC news, Jason Momoa has decided to not to stop filming Aquaman 2 because he's going to protest because some people are trying to build a big ass telescope on sacred Hawaiian land and he's really not happy about it so went and joined the protesters there which I'm all for a superhero action movie star doing actual things to stand up for what they believe in so I'm pretty down for this this is a weird story because like I think I don't even think it was due to start filming for like months but I think it was something along like he said something along the lines of like you know if i have the choice between going to film aquaman 2 or like standing up for my homeland kind of thing i'll stand up for my homeland and now everybody's like oh my god he's not gonna film aquaman 2 when i'm pretty sure it's not supposed to start filming mm-hmm. for a while yeah <laughs> so yeah i didn't realize that was like part of the this story was that like aquaman 2 was on the line yeah that's that's what's yeah. pissing everybody off because people are like oh i'm entitled to this fucking movie is like no you're not yeah like yeah (laughs) yeah i always like it when people you know take a stand for the right reasons and then there's people who take a stand for the wrong reasons and disney's (laughs) mulan is getting a the boycott cancellation treatment on twitter because you yufe has taken the side of the chinese police in the hong kong protests and people are saying boycott mulan yeah <laughs> yikes that yeah. is why Not would so you good. even open your mouth on that one that was that was such a bad call like i know that the mulan film itself is a huge capitulation to chinese audiences because it's not even musical because the chinese hate musicals like they just don't do well in china so mm-hmm. the mulan film is going to be like a pretty straight up Chinese historical drama or as straight up as Disney. Yeah, pretty much. I kind of get why she would want to take the side of mainland China on this, but like the rest of the world was watching girl. Why did you say anything at all? Just, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Just say it's a complicated situation and walk away from the (laughs) microphone. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one too. I mean, not just, you know, she's obviously, she is Chinese originally, Ooh. right? Is she Chinese-American? Chinese. She is Chinese, yeah. Yeah, so, like, she's probably being bombarded with propaganda from her own government about why, you know, why the Hong Kong protesters are evil and in the wrong mm-hmm. and everything, so it's a, yeah. it's a tough one. But, yeah, the internet has spoken on that one, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, what else do we have? Um, in our people I used to like on TV are now total pieces of shit. Um, Danny Masterson from that 70s show is being sued by four different women for Scientology stalking and harassment. He played Hyde on that 70s show, and I used to have a crush on him, and now, ew, fuck, gross. 
how has he not been canceled for years? Like he got that show, The Ranch or whatever, that apparently was doing pretty well, even after just tons of accusations about bullshit and all the, I mean, Scientology is because fucking Scientologists own a big chunk of Hollywood. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how ugh. that made, was. That was a Netflix streaming show, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, with Ashton Kutcher and oh man, the guy with the voice. He does the fork. <laughs> the voice. The guy with the, the mustache. Voice. I don't know. I can't remember his fucking name. Sam Elliott. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was the dad on that. So it was like, yeah, Kelso Hyde. and Sam Elliott and <laughs> Hyde and I think Alicia Cuthbert was in that show as well. Weird. I think that show got picked up based on like Ashton Kutcher's production deal, and he brought Danny Masterson along for the ride because everybody loved him as yeah. Hyde. But they had to kill him off on the show yeah. because of accusations on the show. Like, he was on the show for a couple of years, and then the last season... Oh, on the ranch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my sister was watching it. I'm like, did, did they just kill off the Hyde character? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, why? She's like, I guess he's been, like, just a complete piece of shit on set. And I was like, oh, yeah. well, that makes sense. He's a Scientologist. Yeah. So, okay. You know, I, I hadn't heard anything Ashton about Kutcher, it. Ashton Kutcher so. uh, brought him on to begin with, considering Ashton Kutcher is such a huge advocate for, like, uh, anti-human trafficking and things like that. He's, like, a big human rights guy. So the fact that he would bring Danny Masterson on after the accusations, or maybe it wasn't his choice, but like, just seems weird that he would be involved in a project like that, considering what his politics are. Mm. But uh, I don't know, Hollywood. Well, do you think those are actually his politics? To me, Ashton Kutcher has always come across as like flavor of the week kind of activism. Like whatever's hip right now is what he's going to throw his weight behind because that's one of the ways he keeps himself relevant. Whereas, you know, there are, there are other people look at, um, like Patrick Stewart with like Amnesty International. He's been pimping them for fucking like since the TNG days, since yeah, kind of thing. So yeah. there's other people that have had like very consistent platforms and, and support over the years. And, and I've, I've never really gotten that vibe. I mean, I don't, I've never gotten a vibe of authenticity in any fucking respect Ooh, that, from Ashton Kutcher. That is fair. <laughs> like, that's a very fair assessment. <laughs> like, I'm, I've never, I've never been particularly an Ashton Kutcher fan at all. So, like, even on that 70s show, he was, like, my least favorite part of it. So. That's like if somebody told me that, like, that they were a big Avatar fan. I was like, wait, no, there aren't any actual, like, right. Ashton Kutcher fans. Just, like, there's nobody that actually fucking, like, yeah. loves Avatar. <laughs> I don't know, man. I said that on Reddit that, like, that, that was all, like, the whole Avatar <laughs> thing. Like, left no call. Oh, yeah. back. And I'm pretty sure Disney's actually yeah. brigading the movie stuff with it. <laughs> because I got downvoted into oblivion for asking that question. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening here? Like, I just asked the question if it was, at, like, if it had left the cultural impact. Because I didn't feel like yeah. it had. And I got, like, just obliterated <laughs> with downvotes in there. And I was like, just for yeah. asking about Avatar. It was crazy. Huh. Anyway, as for Ashton Kutcher, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% on board. He's totally always kind of seemed like a flake. He was just kind of flavor yeah. weaking everything all the time. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. That's more time than I want yeah. to spend on Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. I went on a rant. And <laughs> In news that probably only I care about, there's a new adaptation of Little Women is coming out, directed by Greta Gerwig, who also directed Lady Bird, which is a movie I really, really liked. And it's starring some familiar faces. Hermione Granger is in it, and uh, Emma Watson, and uh, Sarah C. Ronan is in it. Meryl Streep, of course, has to be in it, because it is an Oscar-bait period drama. And I'm really on board, because I like the cast. As someone who works for an Irish company, I have to correct your pronunciation of Saoirse. Saoirse? Saoirse? Okay. Yeah. Oh, Saoirse. All right. 
feel free to correct any of my pronunciation because, <laughs> oh man it also has timothée chalamet from uh call me by your name which is cool i do like the pronunciation <laughs> that is the actual <laughs> pronunciation but yeah i like period dramas i don't know if you guys know this but like i've seen every version of pride and prejudice uh. that has been committed to film and like this is right up my alley when it comes to stuff. Like, I, I'm sure you guys aren't even going to bother downloading this, but I am going to nope. probably watch it more than once. Nope. So there you go, Little Women. And do I have any more news? Yeah, so that's all of the news that I have. Do you guys have anything that I missed? I'm sure there is something. Mark, do you want to talk about the big Star Trek news this week? Well, I mean, we can talk about that, I, I guess. It's just another one of these mega corporation stories, really, at the top of it, because it's the re-merger of CBS Viacom has happened and has been approved and has gone through. So all of the best news that comes out of another giant mega corporation being formed is that Star Trek is all underneath one umbrella again. So it's no longer split where the movies are over at Viacom under Paramount, like in the movie division. And TV shows fall under CBS on their own. Now that they're all kind of together, Star Trek is all together again. Similar, but not as exciting as the MCU yeah. Fox deal <laughs> kind of thing. So, like, getting the X-Men back and the Fantastic Four. It's kind of the same idea, except really the only thing we're getting back, like, under CBS's control, is the, the four Kelvinverse movies that the actual Trek fan base <laughs> hates. So, or no, the three, sorry, the three Trek uh, Kelvinverse movies that the actual Trek fan base hates are now kind of back under CBS yeah. control. Right now, it really shouldn't change anything yeah. for the franchise, because everything's happening on CBS All Access. So the only thing that's going to change is CBS All Access will become CBS Viacom All Access. Yeah, they'll be able whatever. to stream those movies on the yeah on their streaming service. Yeah, but that'll also mean they'll have like the Paramount Library as well. Well, like that'll fall into that kind of. So does that? Streaming I guess that would include the original Star Trek movies as well, like the original series movies. Yeah. The TNG movies are all okay. Yeah, so the old movies are all under like yeah. one roof again. Yeah, that's right. Because the movies, the actually the original movies would have still fallen under Paramount because they would have been a different mm. thing. Like they were Paramount TV, and that stuff is all CBS mm. TV now. Like that's CBS owns the Star Trek TV series, like Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Next Generation. But I think those movies, like Rathacon and First Contact and all that stuff, was owned by Paramount and probably in the interim was on the Viacom side during the split. So. Fair enough. We could sit here and talk about like the minutia <laughs> of what goes where now, but really just means everything's yeah. under one umbrella again. And yeah, I don't think it's going to change much because everything was just falling under the streaming yeah. service anyway. There are a couple more that I saw this week. One is on DC side, the Birds of Prey movie got a director. It is the director of John Wick, Chad Stahelski, is going to be directing the Birds of Prey uh, oh, movie. That's cool. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, my other problem with, like, talking about these directors is that, like, they seem to announce and then lose these directors on a week-to-week basis on these DC projects. Because how many directors are we <laughs> yeah. on Flash now? This is our fifth, we're on our fifth Flash director. Sorry, right? I, I misspoke. He's directing the second unit, which will probably have a lot of the action sequences and stuff like that. It's Kathy Ann, who we've talked about before, is still direct, the, is the overall director of the movie. Oh, is this a story about uh, yeah, Chad yeah. Stoselsky yeah. coming over like, from John Wick and doing yeah, yeah. the second unit stuff? Yeah. That should be good, because, like, I mean, those John Wick movies, if they're nothing else, they are stuntman porn. Like, they are yeah. fantastic for stunt work. So, And that's why he's such a good director. He was the stunt coordinator on the Matrix movies. Oh. He was Keanu's stunt double on the Matrix movies, I think. 
Okay. So that's why they're like super tight now. He does the John Wick movies and stuff. Fair enough. Yeah, I watched the whole thing about him this week. I was like, wow, that guy's actually had a really cool <laughs> career. He was a stuntman, now he's a director, and he made those John Wick movies. And he's a billionaire now, so <laughs> good for him. I don't know if I agree with this headline, but The Lion King has now edged out Frozen as the highest grossing animated film of all time. I don't know if you can really compare The Lion King, which is quote-unquote animated, but really a live-action movie with CGI characters, has you know edged out an actual animated movie, even though it's 3D animated, but it's definitely more animated in style. Uh, and that's surprising to me, They're even though... Animated. I'm pretty sure Lion King is 100% like, built in. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know... Like it's oh, I'm sure like some of the backgrounds and stuff like that they've probably shot and like rendered over top of or whatever. Why would you bother? Yeah, you can build all your lighting into the rig and then you can control everything like in, like on CG. They may yeah. as well. I, if I was doing it, I would have built it all because then you can control everything. Yeah, it's just surprising to me because that movie got such middling reviews and like everybody said like, yeah, it's pretty, but it's not, it doesn't add anything kind of thing. Yeah. And a lot of the voice characters are just okay and stuff like that and it still made 1.3 billion dollars did you see it paul nope i uh, the live action disney films are not for me every single one of my students in my classroom has seen that movie with their parents and they all saw aladdin too like the market for this is definitely not us because we don't Mm -hmm. have kids oh yeah, yeah like these are this is family friendly entertainment and it's familiar and safe for the parents. So they know that they, they already know that they like the lion King and Aladdin. So they're just like, if it ruins their nostalgia, whatever, their kids are still going to enjoy it and be quiet for two hours, hopefully, <laughs> which is probably what they're really looking for. Yes, so. that's right. And then they can, the, if the parents want to, they can introduce them to the animated film, which a lot of my kids are like, yeah, we went back home and then I got to saw the, see the animation. And it was just like, oh, okay, so you're doing, I see how it's going. Yeah. And so Disney is getting like residual streams on all of these old movies because the kids are interested in looking at what the movie came from too. Yeah. So like, it looks so dull and lifeless. Like, it looks pretty. It doesn't look fun. I downloaded the Aladdin. I got through 10 minutes before I started skipping through. <laughs> and I listened to the new song on it. Like, I, I appreciate that this is bringing back the live-action musical. Because we it's been a while since we've had a lot of those on screen. But... Yeah, but, like, that not this the reason why Cats is happening? <laughs> like, we need that? Is it that uh, Yeah. Right? But I'm still, like really interested to see how big of a trigger it's gonna be it's, it looks um, fucking nightmarish this is like a pure hellscape that i that i'm gonna be probably front row center for <laughs> when christmas comes around it'll be like a star wars cats double feature day i'm sure of it oh, yeah. oh god there's not enough acid in the world to get me into that theater uh, <laughs> let's see the other stuff that i saw did either of you guys ever subscribe to loot crate or anything similar to that I actually tried, but it's like hard to get oh, up. Okay. Like they won't go across. They did, for at the beginning they didn't go across the border, and then at, by the time it, I think it did, I was like, I yeah. don't fucking care anymore. I heard yeah. they went out of business. Yeah, they, yeah. I subscribed to a snack version of this called X Pack for people who are living abroad that want oh, snacks yeah, yeah. from their home. So I, because <laughs> I really, really, really wanted Ruffles <laughs> all dressed. I needed oh. it in my life. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, that was a that was a crapshoot though. So because, it's called X Pack. Yeah, X Pack. Yeah. Like the rest. 
pack. Oh, I thought it was like a wrestler. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, the, that obscure degeneration yeah. X reference was like, yeah, like X Pat, but pack. <laughs> yeah. But yes, as Mark mentioned, Loot Crate, who sort of, you know, invented this whole industry of like, here's a box of themed shit and you don't get to pick what's in it. But here, it's yours yeah. now. <laughs> Went out yeah. of business this week because I presume because the people that had subscribed to it, their houses just fucking got full. And they're like, what do <laughs> yeah. I do with all this stuff? <laughs> and like, did you ever see the stuff that was actually in it? It's all basically like useless promo stuff. Like, it's not really anything. They get one like actual cool thing, I think, a month basically. And then it's just a bunch of like. And then like a keychain. And like, how many yeah. fucking keychains need? I just, like, yeah. <laughs> magnets. I don't know. The appeal of those little those things kind of like, I think it was at first because you get them all cheap because every podcast on the planet would like advertise for them. Have a promo code. Because like them. Kevin yeah. Smith constantly had like Loot Crate promos uh, back in the day. Yeah. And like I was always like, oh, I should try that out. But then I really looked at it and was like, this is pointless. But anyway, yeah, yeah I don't know why it did so poorly. Like I stopped hearing about them for a long time, the last couple years. Like I haven't heard an ad. In I think a while. it was just a craze, right? For yeah, a while, like everybody's like, oh, there's exclusive stuff in here. I need to get that yeah. because, you know, this is my fandom. You know, they're putting out like a Lord of the Rings box. They're putting out a Ghostbusters box or something like that. And like, I need to be a part of that. That needs to be something I have because this is the only way I can get it. Yeah. And then they got it and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to put this on my shelf. And then the next box came and the next box came and the next box yeah. came. And like, fuck. Yeah. What now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was kind of the thing with the X-Pack thing. I would open the box and it would be full of all these things that I had not eaten in so long. And I like I would just literally just sit and eat the entire fucking box in one sitting. It's more of a me problem than anything else. But honestly, like <laughs> it was just like, oh, there's a coffee crisp. I haven't had those in years. And then it, that turned into my fucking dinner. And that was a lot. <laughs> like I just consumed 4,000 calories in a sitting. Good job, Paul. So I had to cancel mine too. <laughs> But um, it was nice while it lasted. I got some ketchup chips out of those, too, which was really, that was very nostalgic. You just get those at the store when you come home. You know that, right? Like, okay, you have those, you know, I've been then in you Korea for six years. Halfway across the world. Uh, I know, you guys, you guys <laughs> suck. Like, I don't know why you would live so far away from ketchup chips. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I always bring them back when I come back. That's, I, actually, that's true. I knew you did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just, oh. <laughs> I miss I miss those snacks so much, but I'm gonna miss Korean snacks when I come back. Trust me. So we'll see how it works. <laughs> we'll just eBay them. We'll just get them shipped over from eBay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss American snacks once I move back to. Like, sure. Well, yeah. Buffalo is uh, honestly not that far, and my sister and her husband have a true. restaurant warehouse membership. Nice. So like, whatever you want, guys. You buy in bulk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get my nacho cheese in bulk like that. Those big cans. Good times. <laughs> The very last thing that I had is this just literally came out a half hour or so before we started recording, but Peter Fonda of Easy Rider fame passed away of lung cancer today oh. at the age of 79. Damn, that's too bad. Also of Ghost Rider fame. That's right. Infamy. Yes. <laughs> at play, who played Mephistopheles in the Nick Cage Ghost Rider. Yeah, just the, the first, first Nick one, Cage man, Ghost Rider. Yeah. One, because somehow that movie got a sequel. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, I saw both too. So there you go. That was everything I had. All right. So now we will move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. The segment of the show where we talk about the geekiest thing we did this week. So let's start with Mark. What was your geekiest thing this week? Oh, this is like hard, hard geeking. Uh, I'm learning Blender this week to do a 3D model that I'd never really done before. 
I usually have to work in Cinema 4D because it interfaces nicely with the Adobe product line, but I needed some real rendering hutchba and Blender was what I was pointed to. So I am, yeah, knee deep in like 3D art tutorials right now. I thought you were talking about the dating app Blender and I'm like, what? You're learning is, it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a dating app called Blender. No. Yeah, it's like no, Blender is kind of like the it's it's kind of like the industry standard for like open source 3D software. Like everybody kind of learns and uses mm. it. Like it, like game devs and like special effects people kind of like swear by Blender. Mm. So I, that's the one I downloaded, and it is a fucking interface nightmare. I'm excited. So yeah, I've been about like three days in, and I have an Optimus Prime head that I can render out. Nice. It took me for <laughs> fucking ever. So surely somebody's already made like a model, a three D model of Bob Prime's head that you could have just pulled in. The though. point is to for me to learn the interface was to recreate. Okay, it so you that's it. how you wanted to teach yourself. Yeah, I always Prime. Okay. Whatever I teach myself a new art tool, I usually start with transformers. And I don't, there's a reason mm. for it. It's because they're simple to draw. Like there's simple shapes and stuff like that. And I figured with three D, yeah. I wanted to learn how to like do the modeling plus the rigging. So I figured. A transformer something that's easy to rig the first time out, and I'm not worrying about flesh deformation or anything like that. And really, mm. what I want to be doing is more like I'm using it for like architecture and stuff like that more than anything, or like ships kind of stuff. So like I want to be able to build models out that I can render tightly for illustration purposes. And whew, anyway, yeah, so I'm learning that, and it's fucking dense. Like <laughs> I feel like I should get a doctorate when I'm done. Like if I can figure this thing out, I'm like, yeah. I should probably go, have gone back to school. DFA? Yeah. <laughs> go to those like prior learning assessments. Just go to school and be like, hey, I can do this. Can you just tell somebody, like, give me a certificate that says, yes, Mark is like Blender certified or whatever. Proficient. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> fuck, it's intense. So anyway, that's like what I've been working on. And that's kind of what I'm working on right now is Blender shit. So. Nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tim, how about you? What's your geek of the week? I did finish watching The Boys, which was pretty geeky, but probably the most geeky thing I did this week was I binged like a season and a half of Survivor this week. Okay. <laughs> I just felt like watching some junk fucking TV while I worked. Had a couple seasons. Uh, I'm like behind a couple seasons now because they put out like fucking two seasons a year of the show now. And so I, didn't I just, know that. Yeah, I put it. So they're on like season 38 is the most the one that that came out. I think like over the spring of this year or something like that. So yeah, I I did that and feel dirty but it just it was just one of those things i just like put on in the background while i was working so that i had some background noise and everything but every once in a while i like get invested in it huh. <laughs> you get invested in like a, a particular contestant or like oh yeah definitely they're like people that i'll root for so one of the the season i got all the way through this week was you know they, they have like different shticks for different seasons this one was like david versus goliath so they had like these people that have had like a lot of advantages in life and like have always succeeded against these sort of underdoggy kind of character uh, tribe that was more like people that you know came from like more meager backgrounds or like nerds that got picked on a lot and shit like that and so there's just like one nerdy character in the david tribe that i was that i was gunning for or yeah. rooting for but he yeah, he, he came like fifth, I think, or something like that. So, yeah. did all right. Yeah, I wonder because the only re reality TV show I watch is Drag Race. And mm -hmm. you have to, like, choose one or two queens to root for throughout the season. Like, it just makes your enjoyment of the season and their success, like, that much better. Yeah. So, like, and this past season of Drag Race was season 11. And the my pick from the first episode ended up being the winner. 
So, like, I started to actually realize why people like reality television. I was like, oh, yeah. the, per- the person that I cared about made it all the way to the end, and I felt yeah. like tangential pride or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's the same for me. Like, the people that I tend to identify with are, like, sort of the outsiders, the nerds, the geeks, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And they're, they're the ones that sort of, like, have trouble maybe making the, like, with the social side of the game. Because I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing now, but, like, when I was younger, like, in my mm-hmm. teens and 20s and shit like that, I was a lot more awkward. And so those are the sorts of people that when I see them, I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child, you can do this. And then, like, sometimes they do. And it's like, yeah, it's cathartic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So my Geek of the Week was like a geeky day on Thursday because we had a holiday on Thursday for National Liberation Day here in Korea where they celebrate being liberated from the Japanese occupation. So I went to start my day by catching Deoxys Speed in an EX raid on Pokemon Go and then went home and just binged TV. I got through the latest season of Shira and the Princesses of Power, which I highly recommend. It's a good show. It's run by Noelle Stevenson, who wrote Lumberjanes. And it's like not quite as good as Avatar The Last Airbender, but on par in terms of like demographic and animation quality and writing quality. Like it's solid. And then I watched the entirety of The Boys, which was good. It's a lot for one day. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was a... it was pouring rain. Like I, I had to walk to the Latte World Tower, which is like the tallest tower in Korea, mm-hmm. to go catch the Deoxys. Yeah, for the EX raid. And so I was walking in the pouring rain to get there. Came back, and it poured for the entire rest of the day. So I was like, nope, not going outside, not doing anything. Worked out at home while I was watching Chira, and then sat on my ass and watched all of the boys. So <laughs> I've still I- never got to do an EX raid. I've gotten like really? two invites, but like one of them, because I, I tend to play a lot when I'm traveling for work. So like if I go to a raid or something like that in a gym, like in a fucking city, three states yeah. away or something like that. And then like the next week I get an EX raid invite. I'm like, fuck me. Like, yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah, I'm going to go to Ohio to fucking catch Mewtwo. I got all of my invites for the times that I am working and I cannot yeah, like, just walk too. away from my students and be like, Hey guys, I'm just going to go catch a Pokemon. They <laughs> would understand, but my boss would not. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which open your goddamn presents, Tim, so I we can get to best <laughs> friends. And also thank you for sending me the sleeping beauty castle present from uh, Disneyland. <laughs> I was very touched. I was very touched. You, it spoke to me. Like very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And my problem is my fucking bag is always full, so I like always I never have room to open presents that other people sending me, but I'm always fucking sending off presents so that I can make room in my bag. <laughs> Throw some shit out and <laughs> open some presents. I'm a hoarder. I'm a Pokemon Go hoarder. I'm gonna start sending I you can force friendship forward by sending people EX rate invites. So I'm gonna start sending you bun- a bunch from Korea to Korea. piss you Great. off Great. and to and to force the friendship into best friends. So I'll just fucking get go to Korea. Korea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could raid together. It'll be good times. <laughs> All right. So with that being finished, let's move on to our meat of the episode. Steaming Bantha meat. <laughs> so this week we're going to do a similar thing to what we did with Tokyo, the Tokyo Disney Sea episode, and we're going to be interviewing Tim about his experience at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim at Disneyland, not 
the Florida <laughs> Disney Orlando. World. Not which, Orlando. Yeah. Which, same fucking difference. Same city, different coast, okay? <laughs> and they basically are the exact same land from everything that I've seen, so it's, yeah. it's a fair mistake to have made. Yeah. So, before we start on Galaxy's Edge itself, let's... Tim is a notorious Disney Parks fiend, actually mm-hmm. having worked there. So, could you give me your rundown history of, like, your experience with Disney Parks... Uh, Ooh, oh man, we're gonna be here for like, like nine hours. I'll I'll condense it. <laughs> condense it yeah, give, give us the the Cliff's Notes version. Sure. It. I think my first trip was like ninety one. Uh, it was like a family trip. My grandparents would always rent a place in like Port Charlotte, Fort Myers, Florida, for like a month. And so my parents and my family would go down and spend time with them. And then one time we were like, okay, we're gonna go do a couple days with them, but then we're gonna go do a week at Disney World. Because like I was like ten, my sister was like eight. Like yeah, that's probably a good age. And then from there, my sister and I were just fucking like in love with it. So we go back every few years after that until towards the end of my undergrad, which was like two thousand two thousand four, when my sister and I figured out that you could actually go and work there as a Canadian uh, because they hire people from the countries to work at the different pavilions around Epcot Center. And also like they hire people from like Africa to work at Animal Kingdom and like the uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge and stuff like that. So did it. We applied. We applied together. We got in together. I went down there. I worked there as a year. I always tell people I was a professional Canadian at Epcot Center for a year. Worked at the popcorn cart for a couple months and then in the steakhouse called Le Cellier, which is where I learned that i actually liked steak and then after that year during that year was the first time that i had ever gone to disneyland because my sister and i figured out that our passes like our uh, our cast ids got us into disneyland as well so we were like fuck it we just in a weekend in november we went to flew across the country and did a weekend at disneyland while you were working at disney world yeah so i on my time off at disney world <laughs> we flew across the country Hey, we got in free. I, no, we got you know like, what? Hey, you fucking do you, man. That's cool. But <laughs> that's wow. All right. That's yeah. All right. All right. So I've never done the math on how insane you are about this shit. And now I'm like, now I'm really doing the math on it. It's like this. Oh, I thought I had problems, but. Uh... <laughs> and then it just so happens that I started dating and then later married somebody that is also in like loves the disney parks and stuff like that although she didn't get to go to them as much as i did growing up but you know now we go every couple of years this this year we've been like we were in in the past year i was at disneyland in paris last august as part of our like europe and or basically france and uk vacation and then in march we did a week at disney world and then just a couple weeks ago we were at disneyland in california because i had a conference in california and alicia had a conference in san diego that bumped right up against each other so we're just like fuck it we'll tack on a couple days at the beginning and do disneyland and star wars galaxy's edge just so happened to have been open for a couple months at that point so ah very nice (laughs) (laughs) all right so before you actually made it to Galaxy's Edge, what were you most excited for overall? Uh, I think just the the overall... I mean, I was pretty fucking pumped for Smuggler's Run, which is the, the Millennium Falcon ride, um, but I think it was really just the overall theming of the whole experience. Like, just getting to walk in and feel like you're walking into this world that I've had, like, a big investment in, more or less since I 
could fucking like walk and talk like i you know watched those movies probably when like when i was like four or five you know since like the mid 80s kind of thing so mm-hmm. you know 30 plus years at this point and to be able to walk into something where it that is a a different world but you know it's not a world that you ever visit in any of the movies but you know that is part of that universe was just that was the most appealing part i think for me going into it so initial impressions when you took your first steps into the park what was it like yeah i live streamed it so anybody that wants to see it can go on uh i think i did i live stream that on our facebook oh no i, I live streamed that on my own facebook page I yeah uh, i live streamed my lightsaber on uh on the uh dancer about dance page. Yeah, see it's hard for us to tell because we are friends with you and therefore see everything. yeah you get everything so like so like, yes you did wait no you didn't i don't know i'm just gonna say i don't know yeah i live streamed walking in for the first time uh on my personal facebook just i knew that i had a lot of friends that wanted to sort of see it and and get first impressions and that kind of thing and so yeah like i got emotional you know going in i was just like starting to get choked up and stuff like that and then you round a corner and you see the full-size fucking millennium falcon in front of you and i i did definitely start to tear up And then just as I got in front of the Millennium Falcon, uh, a guy proposed to his girlfriend right in front of it. I got down on his knee and they were wearing like the I love you, I know, like Han and Leia shirts and everything. So it was super cute. And I got to like live stream that as well. So yeah, the first impressions were just like amazing. The immersion and the theming was just outstanding. Like it wasn't, you know, I feel like I'm walking into like just a you know, shitty amusement park or something like that. Like, and even compared to Disney, who usually does really good immersive lands and they've just gotten better and better over the years, it's like a notch above anything that they've done before. So, like, compare you because you've been to Pandora as well. Is yes. it like a, a step up from that, presumably? Um, I would say so. It's hard for me to judge. My first time going to Pandora, which is that Animal Kingdom in Disney World in Florida was just this past March, even though it's been open for a couple of years, we just, our past couple trips to Disney World have just been like, we only have a couple of days to spend there, which we always would do like Magic Kingdom, which is like the big fantasy kind of park. And then um, maybe Epcot if we had time. So I haven't done Animal Kingdom in a while. But my problem is with making that judgment call is that I have, as we alluded to earlier in your episode, no fucking investment whatsoever in Avatar. Right. So the theming in Pandora is still really, really good. And there is a lot of really cool like interactive elements. Their sort of flagship ride is really cool. But I think for me, just because of the investment that I have in the Star Wars universe right. and galaxy, I was a lot more excited for and felt a lot more immersed in Galaxy's Edge than I did in Pandora. Right, because the, the onus on Pandora as you walk in would be build the world and tell the history to, for, to make you care, whereas Star yeah. Wars, you already care. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Remind you what the world actually is, too. Uh, right, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you saw Avatar, right? Yeah, they do a pretty good job of that at Pandora because they have some of the mechanical equipment and stuff like that from the mining expeditions that are, now this is like, you know, decades after, which is, so it's all like been sort of reclaimed by nature and overgrown and stuff like that so you do get kind of this feeling that like this is this place that was like previously colonized and being exploited and then nature is starting to take it back and now sort of the humans and the navi yeah that's the avatar people people, are (laughs) are living in harmony or whatever so 
But yeah, like I said, with Star Wars, you can start at a much higher level because that baseline sort of zeitgeist knowledge is so much higher for basically everybody. Like even Alicia, who gives no shit about Star Wars, knows enough of the basics that she can sort of figure out what's going on and like who the good guys are and who the bad guys are and that kind of thing. All right, good. Uh, So spending time there, did you get to go on all the rides did you do the like did you do the whole thing so i feel like i did pretty much everything there is there's only one ride for right now there's going to be another opening later but the only actual like proper ride that they have right now is smugglers run which is you get to ride the millennium falcon so there's six seats in the cockpit there's two pilots sitting behind them are two gunners and sitting behind them are two engineers and it's all interactive so the pilots actually like one of them gets to like steer the falcon like left and right the other one gets to steer it like up and down and and trigger hyperspace so it's it's a full-on like immersive simulator basically where like (laughs) yeah when you steer from left to right like the whole pod the whole like cockpit like steers from left to right like when you walk into it you're walking like you feel like you're walking through those like rounded hallways of the falcon like with the padded walls and everything and like little panels that are like shooting off sparks and you know like loose wires and shit like that like you know like the falcon always looks like right like yeah like like held together with glue yeah 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 exactly held together with bailing wire about to fucking fall apart at any time yeah and so you're doing basically a a smuggling run for hondo onaka who is a character from star wars rebels that they have a really impressive audio animatronic of that actually walks back and forth above you and like welcomes you into the ride and everything and yeah so basically it's this is after han is already dead spoilers for anybody hasn't seen fucking force awakens which came out like five years ago or something too fucking bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) so basically chewbacca has lent hondo who's also a smuggler the millennium falcon to sort of pay off some debts just temporarily kind of thing so you're you go on a run to steal relium the raw material that goes on to make the starship fuel hyperdrive fuel yeah from a refinery yeah it's really like if you're in the pilot seat you actually get to pilot it if you're gunner seat you push buttons basically to try and take down the tie fighters that are swarming you and shit like that and then if you're the engineer (laughs) when the pilots run into shit which they will inevitably do because it is it's not easy it's difficult to pilot and shit like that you know a lot of people said like once they've done it a couple times they've started to get okay at it but if you're the engineering seat, if they start bashing into shit, you have to like push buttons to fix shit and like mm. reroute power, like divert, you know, that kind of thing and keep the fucking Falcon in the air. And you also do shit like fire the harpoons to like grab the containers of Corellium and shit like that. So cool. Yeah. So I got to ride it once. I actually went twice while we were there. I went once with the leash to Galaxy's Edge as a whole during the day, the first day that we were there and she came in with me, did maybe like half a day there. And then after her conference, I dropped her off at the airport, and it was the night before my conference started. So I had a three-day pass. I just went back and did, like, an evening, and I spent most of that back in Galaxy's Edge as well. So that time, I went back, and I got to do the engineering role. So the only one I haven't done now is the gunner. Okay. That sounds yeah. really, really fucking fun. Yeah, it is. Really- it's really neat. And even when you leave the ride, too, I should say... Like, if you fuck up the Falcon really bad, you'll see, like, there'll be their announcements saying, like, we need repair crews immediately to the hangar bay or shit like that. And Honda will tell you at the end, like, how you did, like, how many containers you got and, like, what your share of the take is and that sort of thing. And Okay. Yeah. So it's, like, 
the most intense arcade game experience like in yeah. the world now yeah. at this point. Okay, that's really I, that's pretty really much. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So, if that's the only ride, then there's got to be a lot of stuff around to enjoy the atmosphere and environment. So, give us a rundown of the the other stuff that you the did. other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, one of the other big things that you can do that's you know still sort of interactive is you. There's a for a while now. There's been this app you can download on your phone called like Play Disney Parks, and within that app, there's a sort of in-world game or interactive element that you can do that's called Star Wars Datapad. And what it will do is like you can go into it and like get assigned tasks either from the resistance, from the first order, or from the smugglers. And you can sort of pick which ones you do and which ones you build up affiliation with the different with the different groups. And you go around the land and like there will be satellite dish or something like that that you have to hack into. And when you do like you get a message from the first order or the resistance or something like that and so I did a lot of that, like just walking around and do, and it helps you to sort of, it's another sort of layer. You don't have to do it, but if you do, it gives you more of the backstory of the land and the characters you're interacting with and sort of the different locations that you're in, stuff like that. There are crates you can go around and like scan looking for specific things. Like you'll get sent out on a task to like find a crate that's full of like blue kyber crystals or something like that. And basically they're QR codes on the crate so when you scan it it'll say yes this is one that has those blue kyber crystals in it the resistance has been looking for these that kind of thing mm-hmm. and so all that is pretty cool there's also like sort of a capture the flagish kind of game where there's sort of these control points throughout the land that both the first order and the resistance are both competing for so you can sort of pick a side and yeah you get all you, you get like credits within the app for it that you can then use to buy like different sort of like pokemon go then you can use like to buy like different bits of gear for your avatar and shit like that okay so like like pokemon go or ingress sounds more a little bit more like ingress which was what yeah yeah the the capture the flaggy kind of thing yeah yeah okay that sounds cool yeah were there any shows do they have shows do they have the parade right the parade and stuff doesn't go through the land so where this is situated for anybody that knows disneyland is behind frontierland and critter country in an area that used to be big thunder ranch they took out to put in galaxy's edge so it's kind of in a sort of remote area of the park the parade and stuff doesn't go anywhere near it you can sort of see the fireworks from it the only things that sort of resemble shows i mean there's like walk around characters right like they don't have like meet and greets per se as you'd find in the other parts of the park because it's all themed very tightly sort of in universe Mm -hmm. so you know they're not just going to have like a line of people like waiting to get their picture taken with darth vader in part because this land is set in a time period well after Darth Vader's dead. But Chewbacca, who's still alive in continuity, might come out and just walk around and like maybe interact with a kid, but he's not going to like have a line of people forming up waiting to take a picture with him. Mm-hmm. And there's also like First Order troopers walking around that'll like give you shit if they see you with a lightsaber or something like that, or like with a t-shirt that's got like the Rebel or Resistance logo or something like that on it. The only things that sort of would maybe sort of resemble stage shows is there are these huge big set pieces there's like a big um imperial cruiser or something like that like one of those ones that has the the fold-up wings on the side from the original trilogy like something oh, along like those the lines freighter, shuttle. the shuttle yeah yeah the shuttle yeah yeah, yeah. It's the, the imperial shuttle uh, mark and his encyclopedic starship knowledge comes it's in always easy. the starships that i know right yeah all right <laughs> so i'll be back modeling a starship so later <laughs> yeah, there's something like that in the so Black Spire Outpost, which is the 
area that you are in uh, on this planet called Batu, which is sort of an outer rim planet, is under control of the First Order. And so there's this First Order shuttle that is a big set piece and that at some point i don't it's not even scheduled as far as i know but at some point like kylo ren will come out with a couple of troopers and he'll walk around and again like sort of interrogate guests and that kind of thing and so i mean it's not like a show per se it's sort of just an impromptu event that happens something similar will happen there's also the other sort of part of the land that is where the next ride is going to go in and when it opens later in the year sort of a resistance encampment and out there there's like an a wing and an x wing that are like full size that's one of the again really cool parts is like all these fucking full-size ships that are around that you can like not touch okay. but get up close enough that you can see a lot of detail and stuff on them. Well, that was my question i'm like can you like get on it in it kind of thing <laughs> no there are like some of the like speeder bike kind of things or like raised speeder on the okay on uh jacku kind of that those sorts of vehicles that you can like get on get your picture taken on that kind of thing yeah but not the, the big ships you can't like have like a little cordon kind of around them oh okay but like at one point in the evening i walked up near one of those and Ray and Chewie and a couple of other sort of generic resistance fighters were like doing some work on that X-Wing and like the X-Wing would like make noises like it was trying to start up and then it would fail and then like Chewie and Ray would have like a little exchange back and forth where they're like fuck what's wrong like this thing's broken god damn it and like you know they would get tools and pretend like look like they were working on it and shit like that and then at the end of it they get it running and then they're you know all triumphant and then walk off stage and so those are the sorts of things which are, you know, kind of shows, but they're just another layer to the immersion, right? They make you really feel like you're in this world with these characters. Yeah, it's like, what is it, like found theater or something like that, where the show is yeah. always on and like instant yeah. theater, I guess, something like that. To the extent even that the cast members, if you ask them, like, like they will tell you how long they've been at Black Spire Outpost uh, for, like, what they think of the First Order, like, if they know anybody from the Resistance, and, like, if you ask them about the Resistance, they'll get, like, all sheepish and, like, look around and shit like that. You know, they'll pretend at first, be like, oh, yeah, I love the First Order, they're great, and then they'll, like, lean into you and be like, it's terrible here. Can you get me out and shit like that? Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So how about the nightlife? Like Disney is known for its adults entertainment nightlife. Not that kind of adult <laughs> entertainment, you perverts. <laughs> but like <laughs> any fun things to do for nighttime if you are a person who is above the age of 21. I mean, the land itself looks really cool in the evening. Just the way that it's lit and everything. And uh, as you might imagine, like, oh, I, I, it looks cool during the daytime too. But I think if I had to say one, like it's lit really really nicely at night but the main thing that i guess would be sort of more for the like grown-up crowd is there is a cantina that is called uga's cantina but it is pretty reminiscent of the moss Eisley cantina it's just they couldn't call it that because this land is not set on tatooine so you do have to get make reservations for it but we got reservations for it and we went in and it's not they have like a couple little snacky kind of food items but it's mostly just you go in and have drinks and rex there's a droid named rex who used to be the pilot for Star Tours, which was the original older, which is still there, but it's piloted by C-3PO now, the older Star Wars attraction at Disneyland and Disney World. So it's cool that they have this sort of character that they've brought back, and now he's the DJ in the cantina. 
So he like spins like in universe kind of tracks, including like a remix of the Moss Eisley Cantina band song and stuff like that. And he has like a whole like hour long cycle and stuff he goes through and, you know, has his little jokes and stuff in between the songs and that kind of thing. And the drinks there were pretty interesting. Like they kind of alien the food in general and food and drink in general. They did it was one of the things I was most impressed with in the entire land because they did a really good job at making food and drinks that looked and tasted alien alien and unfamiliar enough that you can't easily pin the flavors down but not so alien that they're off-putting to like your usual like theme park like burgers and pizza picky eater kind of kind of guest sure. yeah <laughs> you know you're <laughs> your standard american that's yeah. like i just want some fucking french yeah. fries or Give something me some like chicken that. tenders <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah in there it's i i don't know if it's it's not 21 and up because i remember there were some kids in there but they do also have like mocktails as well mm-hmm. and they're all like themed there's like a bespin fizz that has like dry ice in it so it like smokes and stuff like that there's and they play with like interesting ingredients there's one of the drinks alicia got had a foam on the top that had uh shishwan peppercorns like mm-hmm. infused into it so it would numb your lips and your tongue a little bit as you drank it. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, so that's the kind of like interesting like flavor profiles and interesting sensations that they're playing Ooh. with, which is pretty neat. Yeah. And then they also had like a sort of tiki-ish drink that came in sort of a tiki mug that I of course fucking bought that is but it looks like it was fashioned by Ewoks. It's got a depiction of the events of Return of the Jedi on the outside where the Ewoks help the rebels to take down the, the Empire and the, the Death Star and everything. Mm-hmm. It's all like sort of carved into it look like it looks like you know, sort of roughly like an Ewok would do kind of thing. Nice. Yeah, it's got a, like that attention to detail is always what gets me about Disney in general and what, what yeah. I it puts it over the top in terms of quality when it comes to the theme park experience. Like I, when I went to Disney sea, it was the same kind of thing where it's like, they put so much care into like every inch of that park that you're like, Mm -hmm. the people who design this up clearly have a love for it, or at least the people who are overseeing it. Like they know that there are people like us who are going to be noticing those details. And so yeah. yeah, but again, th- that sort of stuff is not stuff like, you know, a, a more casual visitor kind of thing is still going to enjoy it, even if they don't necessarily get those little details yeah. kind of thing. They're still going to be like, this is, I just feel like I'm a part of this world, even if you're not able to sort of identify those little details that are making you feel immersed in that world as somebody that knows that universe a little more in depth might mm-hmm. do. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, they also had like little like snacks. So uh, they had a little dessert that came in a petri dish more or less that was like blue jello but it had popping boba in the oh, jello okay. and then had like basically a pop rock kind of concoction on the top of it so again playing with like flavors and textures and like things you wouldn't necessarily like i wouldn't expect to get jello that had popping boba inside of it and that sort of yeah. thing so yeah and like they had a little like snack mix that had like stuff like lotus chips which if you didn't know what lotus chips were you'd be like this is weird. I don't know what this is. This is foreign to me kind of thing. And they do look, you know, a little bit like alien. They have like little bits of like dehydrated, like that astronaut ice cream and stuff like that in it. So yeah, they're just trying to sort of, you know, not have your standard, just yeah. Popcorn and nachos and shit like that kind of create an experience that it, yeah, that is alien, but or even the food is helping to immerse you in in the world. And yeah, that's really cool. So with all that being said, how would you rate your experience out of 10? Uh, 
my experience out of 10, probably like a nine out of, well, I'll say an eight out of 10. And just because there's some stuff that's not open yet, because, you know, I, I feel like I haven't fully experienced the land yet until the uh, Rise of the Resistance ride, which looks like it's also going to be really, really cool. They've keep, kept a lot of it under wraps, but apparently it's going to be a very long ride, have a huge number of animatronics in it. And I've seen some sort of, you know, initial videos and stuff for it. I'm really looking forward to that. So, yeah, w- with what I experienced, I-, I would probably say an 8 out of 10 for all. I'm- I was really happy that it felt super immersed, and they did a really great job on the theming and the ride and the yeah, yeah the overall just feel of the land. Any gripes besides the things not being open? Like, because it was... Yeah, I mean, and, and that I knew was going to happen because they'd announced months ago that they were going to uh, open the-, the Rise of Resistance later on. Biggest ones would be that there were supply issues in galaxy's edge and i guess that they just didn't anticipate i don't know if it was that they didn't anticipate how popular the land was going to be or when we were there was like right at the end of july beginning of august and they started soft opening and cast member previews for galaxy's edge in orlando like a couple weeks after that so there was some stuff that was out of stock and i'm wondering if it's because they were just like we want to make sure that the orlando land is fully stocked and fuck disneyland for now kind of thing Or if it was just like straight up, we're just out of stock. Our suppliers are just failing us kind of yeah. thing. So some of those things were like the the kyber crystals that you could buy that can insert into your lightsaber phrasing that <laughs> or <laughs> or into the holocrons that you can buy. They were out of those. The only way that you could, they had some like loose ones, but you're supposed to be able to buy them kind of like blind box, mm-hmm. which I mentioned on the episode last week, like those black ones that are like one in every 20 or one in 50 or something like that are going for like 800 bucks on eBay. So that's fueling that, right? People, there's like that secondary market where people are just going in, buying the shit and then going home and reselling it on eBay. And then like the, like I said, Alicia made a BB unit droid and she really wanted to get one of the other personality chips to it because you can switch out personality chips and it gives them like a different voice and like some different characteristics in terms of sort of that's another cool element is the droids that you can build actually interact with the land as well so like if you're near first order trooper and you have like a droid that is affiliated with the resistance it will start like making alarmed noises and beeps and stuff like that or if you're near another droid uh, somebody else that has a droid with them they'll interact a little bit back and forth that kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah they were out of those droid personality chips there's also that tiki mug uh, that i got at ugas cantina was kind of my second choice because they also when they first opened had a rancor teeth beer flight set uh... <laughs> so it was like four little cups that were hollowed out rancor teeth and a little stand that you could like order a flight of like they have these four beers that are made just for the mm-hmm. land that you could order a flight of those in, but they were out of that rank or teeth set, which, yeah, I wanted to buy in very uh, I see. So supply issues, any other gripes that you have? The other main one was that the app, while when it did work was pretty cool, it was unreliable. There were some times when it wasn't triggering stuff that it was supposed to, or like the GPS on it wasn't working quite right. So it wouldn't, like I was in the proximity of the area I was supposed to be in, but like the location trigger wasn't working, you know, sort of similar. Like, like Pokemon Go. And like problems you can have. Yeah, problems we can have work with Pokemon Go where you're like, no, I'm standing here and it tells me like I'm fucking across the street or something yeah. like that. And you can't get the gym and you want to start the raid because the raid yeah. uh, clock has just started. And, you know, that's yeah. the, the only <laughs> chance you have of getting into the. But then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I can understand yeah, how that exactly. is very frustrating. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those are my two major gripes with the land. But besides that, like, yeah, land itself was great. The The crowds weren't even that bad. They've done a pretty good job at crowd control overall, and it's a big enough land that it's sort of spread out, and we didn't even have to wait that long for Smuggler's Run. So, yeah, overall, I'm really happy with sort of the land itself and how they handled the... Because a lot of the times, like... I think like the Harry Potter areas were fucking just packed full of people mm-hmm. when they first opened up. And I think that this is just like Disney, you know, being experts at crowd control and that sort of thing and knowing what they need to do in order to keep the land, you know, not a clusterfuck. Yeah. yeah that's my concern going into my first excursion to Orlando is that I want to do both universal and the star Wars world specifically, but like all of Disney worlds, like do a really, really big yeah. first trip and yeah 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 you gotta do like two weeks or something yeah. like that or like you know like like a good like 10 days or something like that in order to do like properly do all of universal and disney i would okay. say which i am totally willing to do so we'll see how it goes <laughs> so are you already planning your trip back are you gonna plan to go to the orlando one first and go back to i do have plans to go to the one in orlando and it wasn't necessarily neither of these trips started out like hey i really want to go to galaxy's edge like you know within a couple months of opening it was just like hey we're going to be there for conferences anyways let's just tack on this trip and the other case it was alicia had been really wanting for a while to do one of the run disney runs because she's been doing a lot of running the last couple years and so sort of her goal this year was to do a 5k a 10k a 15k and then a half marathon and so she signed up for the disney world half marathon which is part of their food and wine festival in like November. And that will coincide with, again, being about two months after Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was going to open in Orlando. So I registered not being as ambitious as she is for a 10K. Uh, so we're going to be down there for a couple days right after Halloween, beginning like first three or four days of November. So at that point, I'll get to do Galaxy's Edge in Orlando and I'll be able to compare. But from what I have heard, like I said, they're very, very similar. Um, which is not that surprising that, you know, they, this was obviously a massive undertaking in terms of development. So it's not that surprising that they would just, and also stagger the opening. So I'm sure they had a lot of the people that were on the opening team and the construction team for Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim that they then just shipped over all those artists and stuff to fin it to do the same work basically in Disney World. Right. Okay. So, so that sounds good. All right. Yeah. Those poor guys are probably going to be on tour. Like, they're, they're are they going to install these in Europe and Tokyo as well? Uh, I, I don't think so. I yeah, I don't think there's announcements for them to do them anywhere else yet. You'd assume they'd just be like, you know what? While you guys work, clone it, clone it in every park. Yeah, it may as well. If you got the people there, yeah, and that's probably the reason why they're doing it this way. Is like you are also kind of like, and why they're so similar is you're just mass producing the parts, right? As yeah. many parts as you can mass produce. To keep your cost down is what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. the park's going to be pretty similar. Yeah, but I think a big part of it is that in uh, Hong Kong Disneyland and in Disney Studios in Paris, they're making Marvel Lands right now. Uh, so I think that's their big focus coming up. And I think part of it as well is that the rights get a little bit tricky because Disney has, I believe, like full ownership of the U.S. parks. But like in China and stuff like that, they weren't able to swing those same deals because government is like, no, we want to have some controlling interest in this. So like some of the foreign Disney parks, the governments have a big stake in them as well. And so, you know, it takes more finagling to get stuff done. 
especially in like massive investments like this. I'm sure they would be saying like, okay, you wanted to own half of this park. Now you've got to put up half the fucking money for this, for this. Yeah, exactly. For this huge, you know, built multi-billion dollar land. And they're like, "Eh, we don't want to do that. And so that's not, you know, that's not news or anything like that. Yeah, that's just me straight up fucking speculating. So I guess final thoughts on Galaxy's Edge. Like, do you have anything else you want to talk about or add? The main thing that we haven't really touched on that I want to give major props to is the merchandise overall. Like my lightsaber manufacturing experience was super fucking cool. It's another thing that you have to reserve and that does cost extra. But I think that it's like if you are even a modest Star Wars fan, it's something that you or somebody in your family should do and you should go like join them for kind of thing. So it's called Savi's Workshop. From the outside, it's themed as though it's basically like a scrapyard kind of thing. There's no external... You have to basically ask if you don't know where you're going to find where it is. And when you go... They're like, if you say lightsaber, they're like, gosh, no, don't say that. Don't, you know, we're, we're collecting scrap metal because they don't want to tip off the first order that they're like arming a bunch of essentially resistance fighters kind of mm-hmm. thing. So you go up, you check in. And then when you go inside, when your time slot comes up, they bring you into this big room that has must have been like 15 or something like that, different stations around the central area. And the cast members act out this whole like ceremony where it's like, we are the gatherers. We collect broken pieces of relics and kyber crystals and stuff like that. And then you go through this whole ceremony where they give you pieces that are related to certain traits that you've picked earlier when you first check in. Uh, So there's four different pieces of or set components. There's like Peace and Justice, which was the one that I did, which is, yeah, more just like straight up like Jedi lightsaber. There's like a tranquility and nature or something like that, which has like little bits of, I think, like leather and like little bits of wood and stuff like that that you can build into your saber hilt. There's like power and control, which is sort of the more dark side-y Sith kind of pieces. And then based on that, they give you a tray depending that that has pieces that are themed to whatever traits you picked and then you get to put your fucking lightsaber hilt they give you like sort of the unfinished hilt and then you put all the outside pieces on it like the pommel and the sort of shield where the blade comes out and the switch like what they call the activation plates and stuff like that and yeah so it's really cool super immersive and then they go through this whole thing where they activate it for you. And, oh, you get to pick out your kyber crystal as well, which is probably, like, the coolest fucking part. They're like, clear your mind. Just, you know, what does the force tell you that you want, you know, what color crystal you want to be? And they go through this whole thing where, like, you can have a violet, you know, famous for being the blade of Master Windu's lightsaber. And green, you know, same as... Jedi Masters, such as Qui-Gon Jinn. And, yeah, yeah, okay. That's Does anybody stop you at any point and check your midichlorian count? <laughs> no, there's no midichlorian mentions that I can recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. But that whole thing was really, really cool. And then the, along with that, the merch, like I said, Alicia made a droid, which is also pretty cool. Like you, there's a conveyor belt that goes around that you grab all the pieces off of. So you have to grab, like, depending on whether you're making a BB unit or an R unit that gives you a list, like a little, they give you a little basket and say, okay, you need like this core unit that is sort of the motor and everything. You need like the shell, the bottom and top of the shell. You need like the head. And then if it's like the R unit, there's like different arms and stuff like that. Like you can have like the head that's like the more flat and like 
like pyramidy kind of one, or you can have like the more rounded one like R2 has and that sort of thing. So, and then you actually do get to put it together. Like there are like some parts that you actually have to like screw on. Like there are these screwdrivers that are like attached to the stations where you make your droid, where you have to like screw on some of the parts and then put it in a little box. And then the cast member helps you to activate it. And it goes through this whole process where you can see it like starting to wake up and interact with things and everything. And that was really cool too. And again, maybe a little bit more for younger guests than like the lightsaber thing would be although there were some younger kids making Mm -hmm. lightsabers too so overall the merch was really cool also super immersive all the stuff is in world so even the toy shops are not like hey here's a fucking luke skywalker action figure or something like that it's like here's a, a wooden figure that's painted to look like luke skywalker chewbacca because it's a craftsman in black spire outpost that is supposedly has made it kind of thing yeah, and like little tin toys that look like, or little like woodblock toys that look like the Jawa Sandcrawler vehicles and that kind of thing. And so that all that stuff is really sort of in-universe. There was a couple of things that weren't that sort of took me out of it. Like there were a couple of locations sort of on the outskirts of the land where you could buy like cheap plastic lightsabers that flat out said like Star Wars on them and stuff like that. And I was like, all right. Yeah. You know, but there's this core little market area which had all that really immersive merchandise in it, and that that area in particular, the merchandise was all themed really well. Yeah, you still got to keep the kids happy, you know. It's that, uh, you know, but there's this whole area in any again anybody that knows the layout of Disneyland for a while now. There's this area in Tomorrowland, which is dead on the other fucking end of the park, which is where Star Tours is, called Star Wars Launch Bay, which is full of that like more, you know just toy cheap merchandise kind of stuff that says star wars all over it so i kind of wish that they would have just kept that stuff over there rather than have it here but i mean i guess you know not everybody's going to be able to afford like the 200 hundred dollar customized lightsaber so if your kid is like whining like i want a lightsaber like okay here's the fucking 20 dollar cheap plastic one shut up i guess they've still got to have something there in that eventuality i guess so yeah And then even to the point where the receipts that you got in the land, like at a restaurant, at any of the merchandise huts, would say Black Spire Outpost on them. They wouldn't say Disneyland. They wouldn't say Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. They said Black Spire Outpost on them. The cast members, when they told you how much your total was, would say that will be 200.14 credits, not $200.14 kind of thing. So credits are on par with USD, I see. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pegged to the same currency uh, yeah. standard. I think. All right. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm with you that if you're going to do the immersive thing, go whole hog. But at the same time, I also get like, oh, my family is only doing Galaxy's Edge today. So I don't want to take them all the way to another part of the park yeah. to buy the merchandise that's going to shut them up and keep them happy kind of thing. So I understand where they're coming from there yeah. as well. Because Disney World and Disneyland being so huge, they only, like, some people only go to, like, do one park a day or like a two day some of them are two day yeah, parks yeah. or whatever i don't know that i'd be able to spend a whole day just in galaxy's edge i could probably spend a good like if i were to you know just do a bunch of stuff in that app and that sort of thing especially maybe when rides of resistance and that sort of resistance encampment opens up and there's more stuff over there but right now i think it's maybe like a half day or so like six mm-hmm. hours something like that okay cool like half. yeah oh and i did try both the blue and green milks Wh- which one was better they're both good. So they're both somewhere in between like a smoothie and 
and like a slushy. Okay. Uh, so they're a little bit thicker than a slushy, but not quite as thick as a smoothie. They have that like slushy characteristic to them, okay. like little frozen bits in them kind of thing. Okay. They're non-dairy. They're made with like rice milk. Okay. So, and they they weren't overly sweet, which I appreciated. Like they were, you know, normally going to a theme park, you get like a slushy, you're like, oh my God, this is like, I'm getting like second diabetes yeah yeah <laughs> diabetes squared right up in your yeah head. exactly <laughs> compound diabetes yeah. <laughs> but the the blue milk and again this was really cool because like i drank them and i couldn't really pin down the flavors mm-hmm. the blue was a little bit more like berry and a little more like creamy had a little bit of a floral characteristic to it the green was a little more citrusy and i think also probably had like some dragon fruit Mm. kind of flavor to it and again to taste them you'd be like yeah immediately these do not taste like anything i've ever had before they are like vaguely familiar but i can't pin it down and be like this is like raspberry and this is like melon or something okay. like that i was wondering like if they would just go straight up a flavor but yeah i was picturing it being kind of like the fruit flavored milk that like strawberry milk or like here in asia (laughs) it's really common to have banana milk or melon milk yeah the melon milk is so good (laughs) so i was thinking like like i like this thing that they're doing where it's like yeah the flavor profile is really difficult to figure out yeah and the guy that they had like executive chefing the land is actually a guy that i worked with when i worked back at disney world he was the executive chef of the restaurant that i worked in and now like 15 years later he's just moved up the ranks to the point where like he's one of the like top culinary people for disney world so i've seen like interviews on like on some of the youtube channels that i follow that like talk about theme park stuff where it's like chef brian piasecki and i'm like holy shit i worked with chef brian like 15 years ago he used to yell at me for fucking leaving my food on the hot plate for too long and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I thought that, that was kind of cool that I have a little bit of a personal connection with the guy that is sort of oversaw all the food in this land. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. So Galaxy's Edge sounds like a place I'd like to visit. So if you guys are yeah. interested in that, check it out. Is there like a lot of I guess on their website, they'd have a lot of previews and promotional material for it. So like, Yeah, yeah. And there's tons of people that have, have done like walkthroughs on shit like YouTube and that sort of thing now as well. So there's tons of information out there if you want it. I also know people that are trying to avoid absolutely everything before they go in. So which is going to be difficult to do. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. So with that, let's move on to our final segment, which would be our geek cred, which we make a recommendation based on something geeky that we have enjoyed in the past so we haven't heard much from mark so let's hear from mark <laughs> mark what is your mark geek- doesn't give a shit about theme yeah. parks well like i mean i'm curious about it but like it's not like it's one of those like i want to go and just kind of experience it yeah john wick 3 comes out digitally this week that's what i'm recommending go mm-hmm. get john wick 3 and watch keanu reeves just fucking murder russians because <laughs> it'll be cathartic for you i guess it's racist yeah I'm fine with it right now. Like honestly, <laughs> I'm fine. Come at me, Russia. I guess. Actually, I don't really don't. Please. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get, get polonium poisoning. Or well, Mark, like it was nice yeah, knowing bye. you. But... Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, like the, the new John Wick comes out this week digitally, and uh, it's a John Wick movie, which are yeah. awesome. So go check it out. All right, Tim. What's your geek cred for the week? My geek cred for this week is a comic book. So DC's been doing this thing lately where for sort of their big three characters, they've had really big names doing these little six issue limited series. And they're all like just sort of one or two issues in right now. 
The one that I want to pimp is the Superman one called Superman Up in the Sky. It is written by Tom King, which to my knowledge is the first time that he has written sort of just a Superman story on his own. He wrote a little bit of Superman in Heroes in Crisis and drawn by Andy Kubert. Oh, really? And it is, yeah really it's only two issues in so far but it's one of those i would say one of those like defining stories for the character because a lot you know superman's a really easy character to get wrong you know you just like write him more from the point of view of his powers rather than the point of view of his morality which is really what makes the character the character as we've most recently seen in the boys yeah (laughs) and it really captures that essence and personality of superman for me the sort of very brief overview is uh, there's this girl on earth that gets kidnapped and taken off into space abducted basically and superman is sort of just tearing himself apart trying to figure out like do i go off after this girl like the whole rest of the world might need me as well and eventually he you know he decides to go off after her and it's you know it's sort of one of those cool like superman in space out on his own nobody else really to help him kind of thing and trying to track down this little girl like all for the sake of this one little girl's life because he knows that she needs him kind of thing so yeah it's only two issues so far into the run i mean i imagine there's probably it would be easy enough to find those first two issues but so i uh, i've been really happy with it so far and i very much looking forward to the last four and my geek cred for this week is a little bit different because it's a recommendation i'm making based on so sometimes when you're a teacher you have to distract the kids for a little bit and we rely on youtube a lot for that but one of the things i've really been enjoying and the kids have also been enjoying are the current run of mickey mouse shorts that are on youtube right now Mm. with updated more anime-esque animation but with the current Mickey and Minnie voice actors, they are so funny. They actually make me burst out laughing on the regular. Mickey Mouse used to be a more, I guess, subversive, funny, slapsticky character, and that got lost a lot in the late 80s, early 90s. They they cutesified him and really made him like a really bland, non-controversial character. But these Mickey Mouse shorts are super slapsticky in the... somewhat violent in the cartoon violence of tom and jerry vibe but just really really well made and they're not afraid of making any one of the characters the butt of the joke like even Minnie mouse gets to be like the comic foil for the episode like and they do such a good job so like if you are looking for like quick entertainment that's actually going to make you laugh weirdly enough mickey mouse look it up on youtube the current shorts are excellent they are so good I've heard good things about them. I've only seen like one or two so far and yeah, they're fun and they're making, they're adding an attraction at Hollywood Studios in Disney World uh, based around that is sort of using the art style of yeah, those shorts. They're, they're wonderfully animated. Like they're like, you can tell that they're taking a lot of care with it. And one of the, thing, the really cool things that they do is that if the episode is set in a different part of the world, the entire episode will be spoken in the native language. So they have an episode in yeah. China and everything is spoken in Chinese. Same with Tokyo, same with Spain, Mexico, Paris. So you get to hear the Mickey Mouse actor speaking in a completely different language, or it might be the voice actor from that particular part of the world. I don't know how it works exactly with some of the voice acting with Disney, but like even if there is a language barrier, the comedy is so slapsticky and funny that it transcends it's just really good comedy writing overall so check them out and with that we are finished episode 160 
Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe, which you can do via whichever podcatching app you prefer on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And we would love to hear what you thought about Galaxy's Edge. If you have been there, tell us about it. If you're interested in going, feel free to ask us more questions. We are most active on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast we have a twitter at drd underscore podcast or you can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com so drop us a line and even if you want to talk about one of our old episodes or want to just talk nerdy with us go ahead send us a message post on our wall so say good night tim i'm gonna say good night in the way they say it in galaxy's edge which is bright suns all right very crunchy granola i love it and say good night mark <laughs> good night everybody all right and i'm all saying good night and bright suns and sure bye